tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdam, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. All right. We're back at our ordinary job of saving the world. <laughs> back in our post. <laughs> we, yeah. we can't save the world. Uh, sometimes we have to work on saving ourselves. Yes. Uh, that's, you know, just think of that. If you think of all the problems in the world, if everybody would assume responsibility for themselves and everybody reject the idea of, of aggression, you know, the world would be saved. It's an individual matter. But no, they, they want to think in, uh, in terms of, uh, of groups. <laughs> groups get together. Get this block here and this block here, bring them together and vote a certain way, steal from one. How, how do you organize government plunder? <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that's what they spend their time on. But we've been talking a lot, uh, you know, about uh, Ukraine. And, uh, and right now we've spent a little bit of time talking about whether... Uh, whether they should have new members in in NATO. Oh, yeah? Of course, we've been not very very uh, gentle with NATO. Uh, NATO has been a problem, and uh, history shows that it was a problem from the very beginning. And the people who really understood a little bit about our foreign policy, like Robert Taft, didn't even think we should be in it. Yeah. And, and yet now, it's a religion, and uh, it goes along. It's the armed might of the United Nations. And they, uh, you know, are, are determined to expand it. And, you know, and to me, it looks like they have to be in the face of the Russians. And uh, but uh, in order to do that, to get the whole world already riled up, uh, there has to be a lot of propagandizing. There has to be a lot of financial interest and military interest to back up all, all this nonsense. But it is in, indeed a mess over there. But uh, right now the concentration isn't, isn't, is there some serious discussion going on on why we should just hold off on the shooting for a day or two and, uh, you know, see what we can work out? No, it's, uh, it's how do we expand NATO? <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we need everybody in NATO. And their argument would be, well, if they would be, then we would have peace on their terms. Yeah. That's what dictators always want. Uh, but the, the media's joined in. Uh, they're, they're they're talking about you know Tur Turkey says go easy. Don't accept a lot of new countries in here. And uh, there's been some good articles why we shouldn't be in. We talked about Pat Buchanan. Uh, you know, expanding our responsibilities is is not necessarily the wisest thing for our national security. And uh, but now now the media has gotten involved as they always do. But now they're going to redirect our attention. Not only are they, they going to push to get new members in, they they uh, because somebody said boo. Uh, we we have to expel them. That's Turkey, of course. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, we need we we need to expel Turkey. So I guess this will be ongoing, and it's a big deal. But uh, I guess the immediate problem is the big deal on how many more people are going to die in Ukraine, and how many more billions of dollars are we going to send before we recognize? You know, we're broke. There's a limit to this, and the limit is fast approaching. And if people who want to challenge me on that say, well, 
If you're concerned about what you're paying for gasoline, then you better be concerned about this warning that uh, there's a limit to this, uh, this amount of spending and this amount of inflationary pressure on the monetary system, and uh, we might get somewhere. But they're not quite there on the debate. It's usually uh, power struggles and uh, political stuff that goes on. Indeed, yeah. And well, you know, we don't usually talk too much about politics on the show, Dr. Paul, but we have to do one thing. We have to congratulate a couple of friends of ours yeah. in Kentucky. Uh, yesterday was the primary, and there are a few other races we are watching. We won't talk about them. Uh, but Senator Paul, he had a North Korea-like result in his election, so that's he, good. He edged in. He, <laughs> he, he just barely got <laughs> it. Squeaked by at 87, I think. Um, <laughs> not quite North Korea, but and also Thomas Massey did well against his uh, Republican primary challenger. So. We have two sane people that are going to be in Congress. The odds, the, the, that percentage is not as great as we'd like. <laughs> yeah. But as you know, they hate any dissent. So even just a couple of guys in there who are going to do something, you know, drives them crazy. So congratulations to Massey and also to uh, Senator Paul. But on the turkey thing, it's fascinating. Let's put up the first, um, the first clip from the Washington Post. Turkey blocks start of NATO talks on Finland and Sweden's applications. This is classic Turkey, classic Erdogan, and um, to be quite honest, Dr. Paul, I think it's great. So, you know, this whole thing is about um, expanding NATO to include Finland and Sweden, which have been two historically, um, two historically uh, neutral countries through World War II, through the Cold War. As we've talked about, neutrality has served them well. Well, they've been amped up. They have a very young prime minister in, in uh, Finland, by the way, with not a lot of experience in the real world. And she's probably been hoodwinked by Stoltenberg and Blinken. So we've got to get in NATO. We've got to get in NATO. We've got to do it right away. Russia says, we're not super keen on you putting nuclear missiles on our border. That's kind of why we you know, invaded Ukraine, wink, wink. Um, they said, no, no, we want it anyway. We want it anyway. <coughs> So Turkey walks in because, you know, they have to have unanimity. And Turkey and Erdogan walk in and say, well, you know, we're not super keen on this. we got some problems with Sweden and Finland on the way they treat some people we consider to be terrorists. You know what? We need to talk and we need to make a deal. And let's look at the next one. This is from FT Financial Times via Zero Hedge. And here's what they did yesterday. Very important. Turkey has blocked... NATO's initial decision to process requests by Finland and Sweden to join the alliance, throwing into doubt the hopes for a quick accession of the two Nordic countries. NATO ambassadors met on Wednesday with the aim of opening accession tops on, talks on the same day that Finland and, Finland and Sweden submitted their applications. But Ankara's opposition stopped any vote, according to a person with direct knowledge. That's uh, FT. So they wanted to push it fast really fast, boom, get that vote, sort of like what Rand did with the $40 billion. And Turkey said, hang on a minute, we've got a couple of things we want to talk about. And we'll go into some detail, but here I found a real kind of quick and dirty uh, summary of what apparently are Turkey's demands in order to greenlight the accession. Let's put it on really quick, if we can, that next one. Um, and I've seen this before, so this just kind of goes with what I've read before. Sweden and Finland must publicly denounce the PKK and its affiliates. That's an organization of Kurds that Turkey views as terrorists. Two, they must remove economic sanctions imposed on Turkey over its purchase of Russian S-400 uh, air defense systems. Number three, Turkey needs to be included in the F-35 program 
And four, Turkey must be allowed to purchase dozens of F-16s and the upgrade kits, the 2.0 version. I'm kidding. But this is interesting because, you see, the reason why they haven't been able to participate in F-35 and the F-16s is because with that Russian S-400 missile defense, you can't have, you know, Russian and U.S. equipment next to each other because they're supposed to be fighting each other. So it's a real problem, and if they stick to this, I'm kind of basically popping some popcorn, Dr. Paul, to see what happens. You, you know, that, that report's a little bit disappointing to me <laughs> because, uh, you know, every once in a while you say, hey, maybe this is good news. But I would say that what you've just explained indicates that uh, they are not going to be uh, susceptible to <laughs> becoming a non-interventionist <laughs> group and joining us in our effort of uh, not, not precipitating war. They have their interests and they're in the system and anything that uh, uh, slows it up I think is beneficial. I thought it was significant that uh, op-ed and CNN, you know, they pointed out how, how terrible this is. The Turks are, are very bad and uh, we have to expel them. But then, a lot of people who haven't heard much about them, but they're, they're just, it's common knowledge now how much influence they have. And that uh, the CFR got involved too. The CFR oh, says no. lashing out at both Turkey, uh, Erdogan, and Hungary's uh, oil. Oh. Going after them both. And then, uh, uh, and then the quote for, their one, for them was, Russian President Vladimir Putin has just enough allies in just enough places to throw a wrench into the efforts of the Western alliances to thwart their ambition. <laughs> that, that might be uh, good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to well, slow it up a little slow bit. Slow it up. If the CFR is on one side, we'll be on the other side. Yeah. But you know what's, what I find... You know, and, and Erdogan is an interesting character. We talked about it yesterday. He has not survived as long as he has with all kinds of stuff going on in Turkey and elsewhere by being a dummy or by being a weakling. So whatever his faults are, and I'm sure there are plenty of them, um, it's funny to watch. And the thing I like best about it, Dr. Paul, and we've talked about this week after week, everybody is in this crisis for something. The Poles wanted to hand over some crusty old MiGs to Ukraine in exchange for some shiny new F-16s and on and on. Uh, the Germans want to get rid of their junky old tanks from World War II. You know, I'm sure there's some country with World War I guns and maybe some even flint rifles that they want to offload, and then NATO is going to go ahead and repurchase brand new modern equipment. So everyone is in on this scam, everyone. But they're all kind of wink, wink, wink. We want to help Ukraine. We're in it for humanitarian reasons. And in comes Erdogan. He staggers in the room and says, what is in it for us? Right. It reminds me of the great scene in Casablanca, if you remember, when he comes in and there's gambling going on in here. You know, <laughs> and it's a great scene. And that's basically how Erdogan spoiled everyone's game, spoiled everyone's scam and said, look, this is, uh, you know, it's like going into a bazaar and, and uh, you know, negotiating for something. I want my best price. Here's what I want out of it. And it's pretty funny to watch. I want to qualify that a little bit, and okay. that is every. I want to talk about the everyone, everyone except the American people. Yeah, the American, exactly. We, we don't have enough <laughs> enough people defending the American people, and it's so easy, so safe, and so cheap. Yeah. You know, all we have to do is just stay out of there. We save a lot of money. We have more freedom. We have more prosperity. We have less inflation, and uh, it. 
it seems like uh, that interest is not well served. And yet, you know, the control of the media, the educational system, all the things that were able to manufacture, you know, the COVID crisis, and, and now it's the baby milk crisis. They can manufacture yeah. these things without any difficulty. But the American people are really forgotten that like just leave me alone yeah you know i'll work hard i'll take care of myself i'll take my lumps if i don't do well but just just let me work and keep what i earned and let me take care of my family that is they, those are the forgotten people and you described them so well who's jumping who's in the front of the line yeah. to line up but believe me our side is going to have an opportunity because the coffers are getting smaller and smaller. You cannot create trillions of dollars by the month and, and think it's just going to last forever. You know, this whole idea, you know, people now want to getting in line because, uh, oh, this, is, this looks like uh, it's Christmas. Yeah, really. Well, I, I think we need these airplanes let's go and see we'll ask for 100 we only need 50 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they get then they then they end up getting a lobbyist in washington and go and say well you know i know we're a small country but we're strategically located so i want <laughs> you to get uh, we just want a small amount of money just send me 10 billion yeah, <laughs> yeah, because hard. we're small <laughs> so but uh the, the uh, on the long term <laughs> The, uh, the truth does win out in economics and in foreign policy. The trouble is it's so painful and so many innocent people do suffer from it. And uh, it's an ideological struggle. And these people are working well. They're, they, they believe in, in interventionism and that's why it's bipartisan. It comes out of our universities. And when you think about uh, the, the big spenders on the Republican side, it's, it's really disheartening yeah. to think that they're not a, a bit uh, uh, you know, concerned conservative, uh, fiscal conservative at all, and yet they, uh, uh, you know, and, and the, the, there's a disappointment even with the old-fashioned uh, uh, liberals, yeah. you know, the progressives, progressives yeah. uh, and we've mentioned that so many times, that uh, we, there used to be an alliance, that's why there has to be a new alliance, yeah. so, you know, there has to have a real awakening among them, for as far as I'm concerned, and young people, and saying, you know, they're not going to be able to take care of us. The money's not going to be here. We better depend on ourselves. And maybe these two guys up here at the Liberty Report, and maybe they know what they're <laughs> talking about. Just leave us alone. Let us take care of ourselves, and the world would be better off. Let's hope so. <laughs> well, here's another twist in the whole thing, and it's fascinating because Greece is hearing about Turkey's demands, and they say, hang on a minute. <laughs> we want in on this, too. You know, Greece and Turkey have been at each other's throats for a very, very long time, and if if... And rightly, I would guess, if Greece sees Turkey getting a, a military advantage that could be strategic, they're going to be very nervous. And so let's put up this next one. This is from RT, but it's an interesting story here. So Greece says, hang on a minute. Greece wants new firepower from the U.S. <laughs> Athens wants to join the F-35 program and is lobbying against Turkey's moves to upgrade its own air fleet. So I would summarize this in one way, Dr. Paul. The Biden administration and the hapless people in Brussels like Stoltenberg, they thought they were going to score a, a slam dunk. Turkey is going to just bless the uh, expansion of NATO. Everything's going to go fine. It didn't happen that way. And now they have opened a can of worms that seasoned foreign affairs professionals and diplomats would have anticipated. Anyone thinking that Greece is going to sit back and say, hey, Turkey's getting all these planes, good for them, is insane. So they've opened up a massive can of worms. Now they have to deal with all kinds of problems 
and I, and I'm sure you, are very happy about it. We applaud this. You know, it's a bit ironic. They're talking about the F-35. Just send us a few. <laughs> yeah, I, under good luck. I understand it doesn't work all that well. Yeah. You know, like some of our submarines and aircraft carriers, they don't always work the way they're supposed to. So here, they're, they're, it's, it's a political stunt they're playing. Because can you imagine, you know, the distribution of the F-35, we can't even keep them in perfect shape for our own country. Yeah. Well, they send them over there. You know, if the supply lines are bad now and the ships are lining up, you, you know, uh, coming out of China d delivering goods and services, what's, well, how are they going to get all these parts? And especially when there's mechanicals. And, uh, and they're, you know, Turkey, who's going to get the edge? Her, oh, Greece needs them. And in a way, it's, they're sowing the seeds of their own demise because they're not going to be, uh, fortunately, it, it's going to be difficult, you know, to really make that into a force that they're going to attack us. Uh, the attack comes from us paying for it and sending it and sending it over there and then coming up with these crazy economic theories in this country that's literally causing the chaos that there's some in this country that literally thrive on the chaos in our streets that's what we want yeah. we want to rebuild this country decently you know we can't have these people thinking about their own freedom they're selfish they want to just take care of themselves well we have to stop that as soon as we can yeah exactly <laughs> Well, the last one I think we want to talk about is disinformation. We've talked a lot about it. The new uh, governance, disinformation governance board in Homeland Security, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But this is the thing that's interesting. We both talked about it, and we're both agreed that we're interested less in this for specifically what happened than for how it's covered in the American media. And a little bit of background, we know that there were a couple of thousand, several thousand fighters who were blocked up in the Azov stall steel plant in Mariupol. They were in all of these, this was built in the Soviet times to withstand a nuclear attack. They're in all these tunnels and caves and the Russians have been, have been basically uh, waiting them out for about a month and there's a lot of wounded guys, uh, there's a lot of people not eating any food, so the whole thing's a real disaster. It's terrible. Russia has said, hey, you gotta surrender. If you surrender, you can come out, put your hands up, put up a white flag, no, no weapons, you know, we'll take care of it. No, 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 no. And finally, I think it was on Monday, Zelensky gave the okay for them to surrender. And you can, anyone can look it up and see the wording of it. He gave them the okay to surrender. And so once that happened, they came out in droves. As of this morning, there have been over a thousand people, including some seriously wounded people. Anyone can look up the, the pictures of this that have come out. And that's a great thing, you know, for these guys that are in there, guys and gals, I should say, including possibly some NATO officials. Um, so there's a surrender. They've been taking, uh, taking on Russian buses for medical treatment and to be in detention as POWs. But what happens? What is the mainstream media in the U.S.? How do they portray it? Let's look at this next clip. Here's the Washington Post. Democracy dies in darkness. Ukraine ends bloody battle for Mariupol. Avastol fighters evacuated. Well, that sounds like they won and they were taken out and evacuated. You gotta go down, and thanks to Moon of Alabama for this, Dr. Paul, uh, for bringing it to our attention. You got to go to the bottom, literally the bottom of the article, and go to the next clip if you can, to find out the truth. Ukraine's Deputy Defense Minister Anna Malyar said 53 seriously wounded soldiers were taken to a hospital in Nova Avosk, a nearby town controlled by Russian-backed separatists. An additional 211 were moved to another Russian-aligned villages, she said. 
The fact of the matter is they surrendered to Russia and were taken to Russian-controlled territory. Full stop. And here's the New York Times, and you have an article about this here. They did the exact same thing. Put this up if you can. Breaking news. Listen how they spin it. Ukraine ended its combat mission in Mariupol and said fighters were being evacuated, signaling that the battle at a steel plant was over. So, essentially, this is disinformation more than anything you'd see on any of these banned Twitter accounts or anything else. I was thinking about one way somebody could make a point, because I sort of like it when the reporters go and they quiz college students about yeah. current events and all. And, uh, of course, they can can that way they want. You know, they can pick the most entertaining answer. But I would like to see what would happen if they went to some famous college that's noted for its great educational system and, and ask a, a lot of, you know, a lot of students about the question or teachers, for that matter, uh, w w and say, what do you think about the fall of Mariupol? Yeah. What do you think about that? And you can't, can't you just see the student, what? Yeah. Where's that? What state's that in? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and uh, not only don't they know where it is, there's a lot who don't care, and yet uh, strategically, and uh, you know, th this, is a, this is a big deal for us, or we wouldn't be talking about it. But uh, it, uh, it's something that uh, not a lot of people We'll, we'll pay attention to, especially the ones who are paying the bills. That's why I want to wake up young people. You're going to pay for this, you yeah. know, and uh, they have to be reminded, no, I don't even earn enough to pay income tax. Yes, but you earned enough. To, you have to go and buy groceries. Yeah. Just remember, if your prices are going up, you're paying for this stuff, and it's not doing you any good. And uh, it, it would be better if you spent more time or university spent more time teaching geography. I used to love geography yeah. in grade school, but I don't even know if they teach it anymore. But geography and, and history, and, you know, real history, not, yeah. not the canned stuff. And maybe teach a little bit of journalism because what oh, we're seeing here is not journalism at all. That's when you have people surrendering and it's being sold as evacuating. And here's some more proof. I mean, here, let's put this next clip on. These are the buses leaving Azovstal. They're being uh, led by a Russian armed personnel carrier. You can see the Z on it. Here they are. And this is a, uh, a Twitter uh, a member called The Daily Skeptic. Yesterday, Ukrainian fighters besieged in Mariupol surrendered to Russian forces. But Western media called it an evacuation. Why are they going around describing things in transparently misleading terms? And it's a very good point. Clearly, it was one thing, and they're reporting it as another. And in fact, let's put this next one on again, if we can. This is um, Pedro Gonzalez. He's an editor over at Chronicles, you know, which is the paleoconservative. Uh, he's a young journalist, and I think he's, he's very right on a lot of things. And, I, and, and he's someone to watch, I have to say. Here's Pedro, and he... he he talks about the New York Times disinformation. He says, liberal media is struggling. They have to report big stories while also lying about them. So the surrender of Mariupol by Zelensky is spun as the end of a combat mission. They can't admit that, that what happened because it would undermine their enth war enthusiasm that the military industrial complex needs. He goes on to say, people already forgot about the um, uh, Afghanistan report showing that the U.S. government admitted to lying to people about their success in Afghanistan for so long. So, and then a couple of more clips just to, just to pound it home. These are the Azovstal fighters being evacuated in Russian buses. You can see the tattoo on this gentleman's neck of Ukraine. Uh, and they're, again, 
about a thousand. You can see the, the picture again at the next one. This is the last picture, uh, obviously, of the convoy leaving. And, uh, you know, it's smart to surrender if you're about to be killed, right? That's a better thing than being killed. So there's no shame in preserving your life. Uh, and so we don't certainly don't heap any scorn on them for surrendering. But our scorn is reserved for the mainstream media. Do you know, I wonder if we're misinterpreting this. Maybe what they're talking about here is that the disinformation board has, has been closed and they're declaring mission accomplished, <laughs> <laughs> mission accomplished. But the results so far not been so good. Well, to me, that is, that is just good. That, I mean, that, the extreme that they go to and the silliness, and you know, that is why I get disappointed that the, the message of liberty is so powerful and uh, there's so many good things about it uh, that uh, there's so many benefits from a, a different foreign policy. That why, why is it that uh, we, we, can't, we can't convince more people? Yeah. But all I can say is the people who are against us right now in the last hundred years, the progressive era, especially you know, starting 100 plus years ago, have been very, very successful in undermining the basic principles of what personal liberty is all about. That doesn't mean it's dead. There's always a remnant. I believe our remnant is growing, and I believe there's enthusiasm growing, but we still have a heck of a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to close out the show uh, by thanking our viewers. Please subscribe if you're not subscribed. Please share the show. Uh, like it uh, if you don't mind doing so. Uh, as we mentioned yesterday, finalized June 4th. Houston is finalized now. We've got, I think, about 15 tickets left to sell, and we've moved things around so we can offer some more. It's going to be a full house. If you haven't gotten your tickets and you're in the area, it's a little bit late to travel. You never know. Um, get your ticket, ronpaulinstitute.org. You'll see a link. I'll put one in the description. I promised I would yesterday, and I did, but I will today. And thank you. We look forward to seeing you all. It recharges our batteries, like our friend Jacob Hornberger says, when we all get together. I think everyone's looking forward to it. Very good. And I'm going to just close by reiterating uh, a theme that I've talked about for a long time because on, at this very t moment, right now, the markets are rocky and, and the stocks are dropping, interest rates are rising, and uh, there's a lot of crises out there, this uh, baby formula thing. I, I, I believe that is 99% created by government. You know, when I saw all those lines of the vessels coming in uh, trying to deliver goods during the uh, COVID crisis, all I could think about was that is exactly the perfect example of what it's like when the market doesn't work. You know, you have lines and then you have government that have contributed or caused these lines, then they come along and they say, we will solve the problem. Right now they're dealing with prices. And I think there's going to be a lot more effort in the next few months for the government to do a lot more. And they're going to start punishing people who charge too much. It's the businessman charging too much. Why, why doesn't the businessman just charge less? And then there would be no inflation. That's what the president believes. So it's a, it's a system that is going to invite more problems. It was the inflation of the monetary system, this inflation of the dollar that devalued the dollar caused the inflation. So now everybody is looking for more money. Yesterday I saw an article where there was the Democrats were requesting a, another financial bailout to solve the problem of baby formula. They, they created the problem. And now they're going to want to spend more money. What are the, who are they going to attack? Oh, the people who uh, have kids and they're looking, they're starving and they're looking for something to feed their babies. 
You know, it makes no sense. Why is it that people are so blinded to the, uh, the, the benefits and the principles of liberty. I think it's a, it's a moral crisis because I think the basic fundamentals of, of liberty is based with a moral issue that people have natural rights to their life and their liberty and they have a right to pursue their happiness any way they want as long as they don't hurt people, as long as they don't steal and rob and kill, which is not too difficult. That We're not supposed to do that anyway and a lot of people believe that. Where the problem is, is the government hasn't been convinced that they're not allowed, that they're not supposed to engage in plunder, which is theft. They're not allowed to counterfeit the money uh, and, uh, and be a bootlegger and all these things that they do. They get away with it and they set a standard and say, if the government does it, why not? And then the lawlessness that we have, we continue to see, but we certainly saw during COVID where the thugs tearing up cities, breaking windows, stealing, walking off with goods and service. Oh, we'll catch him. Yeah. All right. You, you know, we'll tell you, you'll be released in 10 minutes. Nobody gets punished. No, no principles of, of law and order. This is a consequence that uh, we're in a crisis mode and the people, the people will have to make the decision when the people wake up because uh, it, it is each and every individual has to understand why non-aggression is the basic principle and that is you take care of yourself and you don't hurt other people. It's not very complicated. Those principles have been around for thousands of years and there's always a struggle to make that moral principle that people have this responsibility. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.